This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, episode number 130. This week's episode is brought to you by Bayleaf Sports Activewear. Bayleaf Sports gives you today's new apparel technology for those of you into running, cycling, yoga, swimming, and hiking. High quality at affordable prices, making you look great. So use my code, Dr. Bond, and receive 15% off anytime you order from Bayleaf Sports. Go to bayleaf.com, that's B-A-L-E-A-F.com. Now, before we begin, please head over to iTunes. After the interview with my guest today, rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. Well, my guest this week is Dr. Steven Sinatra. He is one of the most highly respected and sought-after cardiologist whose integrative approach to treating cardiovascular disease has revitalized patients with even the most advanced forms of illness. Previous to working with Healthy Directions, he has more than 40 years of clinical practice, research, and study. By starting his career as an attending physician at Manchester Memorial Hospital in Connecticut, where he then went on to serve as Chief of Cardiology and Director of Medical Education and other esteemed positions. Dr. Sinatra is also founder of the New England Heart Center, where he became known as one of America's top integrative cardiologists by combining conventional medical treatments for heart disease with complementary nutritional, anti-aging, and psychological therapies. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome the one and the only Dr. Steven Sinatra. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's nice to be here, uh, doctor, and that was a nice a nice introduction. Thanks so much. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. Well, let me ask you this, because you are a very well-known cardiologist and psychotherapist and a certified nutritional specialist. How do all of these specialties merge, and why did you, why did you decide to pursue an education in nutrition and psychotherapy as a cardiologist? Well, it's a great question because, uh, you know, a lot of people think that cardiology is from the neck down. No, it's from the neck up. And in other words, you take the single most important risk factor for uh, the genesis of heart disease or acute heart attack, and I've always believed it was acute emotional stress. Uh, you know, it's not cholesterol, which a lot of people think. It's not blood sugar, although blood sugar contributes significantly to, to coronary artery disease. But emotional stress is in a class by itself. If you look at the index of depression, sudden cardiac death, cardiac arrhythmias occurring during uh, psychological arousal or acute emotional stress, I mean, the index is very, very high. So when I studied actually bioenergetic psychotherapy at this, around the same time, when I became a board-certified cardiologist, the Vietnam War was ending, and um, apparently, working in the Hartford area, we were in, around Colt Firearms, the Groton Subbase, uh, Pratt and Whitney Aircraft, and I, I'll never forget it, Ward. There were so many of these PhDs, these like engineers, Aeronautics. Uh, uh, aeronautical guys, so to speak. In other words, uh, even space uh, guys who were working in the defense industry, when the war ended, they lost their jobs. And the emotional stress was overwhelming. And I was in the cardiac cath lab at the time. I couldn't believe it. I was doing coronary angiograms on men my age, um, you know, a couple of years older than me. 
And I really got the fact that acute psychological emotional stress was the most serious and the prime risk factor when it comes to, uh, you know, heart attacks, sudden death, arrhythmias, all those situations. And, and that's why I decided to pursue my career and become a, a, a certified bioenergetic psychotherapist. And then when I was on that path, um, I realized that nutrition played a big role. And in medical school, I mean, how much nutrition did I get? Maybe about a half hour, an hour at most. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. I mean, I wasn't privy to any of this stuff. And uh, so um, around the year 2000, I studied to take the, uh, the American College of Nutrition uh, certification exam to become a certified nutrition specialist. I studied for about a year. I read their, all their books, <laughs> their manuscripts and stuff. So I, I ended up taking that exam and I became certified in that area as well. So, you know, my, my uh, growth and development has been real sweet to me. Uh, I, I, I cherished it. I spent a lot of time studying not only cardiology and internal medicine, but again, you know, psychotherapy, nutrition, uh, mind-body medicine, all those situations that really uh, result in having a, either a healthy heart or, or a heart that is plagued by uh, risk factors that can seriously injure the heart. Well, then let me ask you this, because, you know, we think about uh, cardiology or we think about uh, heart health, heart disease. It's, you know, high blood pressure and cholesterol and everything that deals with that. But you bring up an excellent point because emotional stress is a whole different category, which I think today's cardiologists do not take into account uh, with what's going on with their patients. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is because I wanted to ask you the question, is heartbreak a real thing? And can your heart literally break? And if so, what causes this? That's a great question. And um, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, Heartbreak and Heart Disease. I actually wrote that book uh, uh, in my early 40s, but it took me 10 years to write. Um, and the answer to your question is absolutely yes. In other words, heartbreak is a serious risk factor. And the heart can break. In other words, it doesn't break, you know, literally. It breaks figuratively. In other words, if you have severe heartbreak, like for example, uh, the loss of a spouse uh, is considered, you know, one of the worst, the loss of a child, uh, a bad marriage or a separation, a divorce, uh, the loss of a job. I mean, all these things can create heartbreak. And we have to remember this. Um, when I was studying psychotherapy, I realized that as all of us as children growing up, we've all had our heartbreaks as children. Uh, some of us stuffed it. We didn't cry. We didn't uh, show our feelings because a lot of us grew up in a generation when our parents uh, were involved with uh, World War II, and we had to be very stoic, you know, as young children. But I have to tell you that whenever you stifle sadness, whenever you don't give yourself permission to cry, whenever you don't feel your, your deep you know, deep pain of, of, of the sadness, depression, of shame, you know, all these things, when you don't feel it, it goes to the center of your being and uh, it goes into the heart and the heart always remembers. You know, we think the brain is the king of the body. It's not. I mean, through heart rate variability and through heart math, uh, you know, studies and, you know, all the physiology, physiology and chemistry that we, we look at, we realize that there's communications between the heart and the brain, but the heart is really the king of the body. The heart rules the brain, you know, through the vagus nerve, through neuro 
neural hormonal interactions. You know, we call them chemical messengers, whether they're cortisol, adrenaline, or epinephrine. It doesn't matter. But the heart is, is the core of our being. And that's why uh, after I became a psychotherapist and a nutritionist, you know, I realized that the heart uh, is so vulnerable to so many entities that uh, especially in this day and age of COVID, we, we, we really need to be cognizant that, you know, uh, that whether it's the fear of the virus or whether it's the social isolation or, or whether it's the restriction or not, or not uh, making contact with uh, our loved ones, all these, all these situations uh, pony up, so to speak, and, and they all can contribute to the heart literally breaking down. Well, you know, it's amazing because you, you put it in such simple terms for all of us to understand. And now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, when it comes to emotion, we feel it in our heart, but our brain is the memory bank. So the brain can remember heartbreak or disappointment and stress, but it's the heart in which we actually can feel the very thing that's bothering us. It's just kind of like it hits us in the chest or hits us in the gut. We can feel it there. It's not like you feel it in the brain. The brain's just going to remember all those things. And, you know, so how do we know that, or, or well, we know stress is a bad thing, but how bad can it get for the actual physicality of the heart? Well, it can get very bad. I mean, um, you see, it's not the stress that kills us. It's really our reaction to the stress. In other words, let's face it, um, a flat tire can be very stressful. In fact, it happened to me a few months ago driving up on Route 75 in southern Florida at, at, at night, and I got a flat tire, and basically I went off to the side of the road, and um, you know, instead of having a heart attack over it, you know, I just called AAA and they sent a police officer and I had a happy ending. But, but again, you know, I had to really calm myself down because cars were whizzing by me at 75, oh, 80 miles an hour. I, I know. There's only three feet of, <laughs> of, 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 of turf, so to speak, between the cars going on the, on the right lane and myself. But, you know, whether it's a flat tire or a broken fingernail, and let, let's say a co-ed has beautiful nails and she breaks a fingernail, you know, these little stressful episodes uh, can cause havoc. And I can tell you as a heart specialist, I remember so many cases of acute cardiac emergencies occurring during situations of emotional stress. And some of these situations I thought were very, very bad, and others I thought were very subtle. I mean, I'll never forget, I'll never forget this. A 16-year-old boy... Uh, took a key to this attorney's car and he keyed his car uh, and he made a line on it, which was horrible. It was a horrible incident. You know, it, it, the car was a mess. But this attorney friend of mine literally had a heart attack on the spot because of the, you know, mm. the incident. So in other words, it's not the stress that we all face. It's how we react to it. And I have to tell you, one of the best ways of reacting to stress is to feel the emotion. You know, if it's anger, feel it. If it's rage, Rage is not a good emotion, no. Lord, because in rage we get uncontrolled. But healthy anger is a good emotion. So if you can have your anger, and the best emotion to have on, uh, outwardly is sadness. If you can give yourself permission to cry, remember this, crying will release the heartbreak that we've all had uh, as children, and it will prevent us from developing heart disease later on in life. So having sadness, I think, is one of the healthiest things you can do. And as a heart specialist and a psychotherapist, I strongly believe you can take that comment to the bank. I really do. Well, let me ask you this, because as an example, um, you know, you brought up the fact that, you know, if, if someone loses their spouse and 
that can create heartbreak. And and I've heard where a spouse passed away, the other spouse uh, took it so uh, hard that they had a heart attack or maybe they had a stroke. Correct. And yeah. if, if, you know, you know, and we're hearing, you know, uh, spouses that are being, you know, they've been married for 50, 60 years. And just the thought of losing, you know, their better half, how can one actually, um, you know, prevent, not that you're preventing heartbreak, but how do you, how would someone react to that where they don't trigger a heart attack or a stroke? Because at that age, they're going to be high risk for that. Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a very, very important question. And, and the way they would answer this is because I've seen it, I've seen all these scenarios in my, I mean, I've been a heart specialist for almost 50 years and and I've seen this over and over again. Whenever you lose a vital connection, and that's the key, um, you're right. When, when you have spouses who've been with one another for 30, 40, 50 years, and there's a sudden loss, um, if the surviving spouse, uh, can adjust to the loss, you know, cry it out, um, you know, have anger, have sadness, have their feelings out. Um, they'll have a better chance of survival than having their feelings in. In other words, they need to emote the painful uh, loss uh, in any way that seems, you know, comfortable to them. And I think crying, like as mentioned before, is the healthiest way. The problem is this. Sometimes after a fatal loss, um, and uh, if the surviving spouse uh, cannot reestablish a new connection, and sometimes the new connection can be a pet ward. I've seen it. Oh, I I've have seen, too. Oh, yes, pets. I've seen, uh, and I've, I've recommended uh, survivors uh, who didn't have children, for example, who were lonely in the world. I said the best thing for you is a four-legged friend, a dog or a cat, uh, to nurture you and to make and to give you unconditional love through their eyes and stuff like that. So. Um, I've always mentioned to my elderly, you know, uh, patients uh, with with nobody else in the world, uh, pets have been life saving for them, and uh, you know whether they go to a bi-we home or a shelter, it doesn't matter, or even a even a pet store, it doesn't matter. If 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 the surviving person uh, can make eye contact with a pet. And if the pet accepts them just the way they are, uh, that's magical. And I've seen so much happiness come out of extreme grief because pets bring an enormous amount to the table. And that's not, it's not just my thinking. I mean, there's lots of other cardiologists and psychologists out there that, that believe the way I do as well. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so can you walk us through that? From, all right, so let's leave the emotional side and let's go to the physical side. So during heartbreak, what is the body actually doing? What chemicals are being released? What kind of hormones are being released that can trigger um, something very bad within the body or to the heart? So what is actually physically going on? Yeah, um, what happens is this, is um, when when you have the um, uh, the grief, so to speak, the uh the acute episode. After the acute episode is over, um, the the central nervous system and the autonomic nervous system are on fire, so to speak. And um, the, although I wrote the book Heartbreak and Heart Disease decades ago, um, the Japanese researchers, oh, about 20 years ago, uh, came out with uh, the term Takasubo syndrome, which is uh, literally the heart 
breaking down as a result of acute grief and stress. And uh, basically, this is due to what we call uh, excessive catecholamine, uh, catecholamine release, meaning adrenaline and noradrenaline. And what it causes is a ballooning of the left ventricle of the heart, where the left, ventric the, the left ventricular or the left uh, ventricle, the muscle mass of the heart, becomes distorted. And the chemicals uh, that are released from the adrenal glands have an effect on uh, causing cellular death of cardiac tissue. And basically, this is a real syndrome, and um, it's been described in the literature. And uh, it, it tends to affect females more than males, but it can affect both sexes. And um, again, I saw it before, and I, I, I literally wrote about it before, but uh, after it's been reproduced in the scientific literature, uh, it's a real entity ward. And, and what your listeners have to be really cognizant is, is that when tragedy hits, when tragedy really hits and it goes to your heart, it goes to your core, the most life-saving thing that you can do, that I feel you can do, is to have those feelings outward, have the emotion out, cry. In other words, try to release the intense oversurge of the biochemicals. And remember this, when you cry, not only are you breathing more and you're increasing what we call thromboxane A2 in the, in the lung, which causes more thinning of the blood, you know, um, what happens here is that when you cry deeply, you're reoxygenating the body, uh, and also you are, tend to balance the autonomic nervous system. So having emotions out is really good. And after I wrote the book Grounding, and I did the research on earthing and grounding, when you connect your, your body with Mother Earth, putting bare feet on the ground, uh, I would say to people right now, if you're experiencing acute heartbreak, tears, and, and putting bare feet on Mother Earth, taking in the Schumann energy of the Earth, the humming of the Earth, will also help to adjust the overactive, dangerously um, uh, excessive degree of what we call autonomic nervous system arousal, which occurs with acute heartbreak and tragedy. Wow. That is something. And so, I guess, so ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from the doctor. One thing that we need to do or not do, we should not you know, a hold in our emotions. And of course, like Dr. Sinatra said, rage is very, is a bad thing, but uh, it's okay to be angry in the right way. We got to let our emotions out in certain situations. We don't want to bottle that up because there's things physically going on in the body that can lead to damage. And of course, Dr. Sinatra has seen this over his 50 years in medicine. So let me ask you this, doctor, uh, where do you see supplements playing a role in emotional support and stress reduction? Well, I mean, I'm a big believer in supplements. I mean, um, I wrote the book Metabolic Cardiology years ago, and uh, uh, I, have, I have used so many supplements in my training. I mean, uh, I'll never forget what I, I met Jakob Rintz on a telephone about 40 years ago after I got my cardiovascular boards. And he was the one, he was a Dutch uh, scientist who needed bypass surgery. He was 91 years old, and, he, and he, he fixed his own heart using targeted nutritional supplements. And you got to realize, I just went through, uh, you know, several years of training as an internist, as a cardiologist, and, uh, you know, became board certified in both specialties. And to hear this 91-year-old guy who was so witty and sharp and erudite, and, and 
it was amazing, but he was the one that really convinced me about magnesium and phosphatidylcholine and phosphatidylserine and magnesium. I didn't even know what these entities were when, when, I, when I spoke to him. Um, then when I learned about D-ribose and CoQ10 and L-carnitine and, again, magnesium, uh, I developed the awesome yeah. foursome, which um, I believe when you take those four nutrients together, um, uh, somebody... Uh, is going to discover this, but I, I, I actually believe that these four nutrients, they drive ATP, or what we call our chi energy, the energy of life, our prana, our, you know, our chi, so to speak. Um, they, they drive it in a preferential direction. And um, when I resurrected so many people's hearts, like dead hearts, for example, even pediatric kids waiting heart transplants, when I use these four nutrients together, I'm convinced that these nutrients we're able to communicate with what we call chemical messages in the body called exosomes. And these exosomes probably are turning on our intrinsic stem cells because now we know that we all have intrinsic stem cells as a result of the last decade and the stem cell revolution, so to speak. And I believe that when you take these nutrients, you are creating new heart cells. And if you do have a severely damaged heart, all you have to do is take these nutrients, live a few more years, and you're going to create new heart cells. And that's been demonstrated in, uh, in the literature. I mean, science had this groundbreaking uh, uh, literature come out after the atomic bombs were dropped in Nevada years ago. And it was just absolutely amazing that um, uh, these, these supplements can actually stem cells that will resurrect the heart. It's unbelievable. Now, and see, I, li I like those nutrients because I use all four of those, the D-ribose, the CoQ10, the magnesium, and, of course, the L-carnitine. And, ladies and gentlemen, remember those powerful four nutrients. And, Doctor, what was the name of the book, again, in which you wrote about those four nutrients so all my listeners can uh, look it up? Oh, that was Metabolic Cardiology. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> yes. And I'll tell you, Ward, you know, I read these um, testimonials on Amazon. It's just, it, it gives me incredible joy where people are waiting heart transplants and they, they can't find a heart and uh, they start taking these nutrients and their rejection fractions go from 20% to 40 to 50 to 60%. It's absolutely amazing. And I'll tell you, Ward, what gives me the greatest joy in my life is I still see my pediatric, uh, well, they're not pediatrics anymore, I mean, uh, you know, I stopped practice about 10 years ago, and uh, when I was seeing eight, nine-year-olds and five-year-olds, now they're in their late 20s and early 30s, and um, they only did heart transplants, and not one of them who, who was waiting for a heart transplant. I've had several who had heart transplants when they found hearts, but I'm talking about the ones they couldn't find hearts for. They refused heart transplantation because they're feeling so good on a metabolic approach. You know, wow. so it's absolutely amazing. That is amazing. Well, let me ask you this, because there's an updated version of your book, The Great Cholesterol Myth, which has just been released. What is new about it, and what is the cholesterol myth. Well, the, the great cholesterol myth is this. I mean, you know, everybody thinks cholesterol is a risk factor in heart disease. I mean, yes, it does bring something to the table when it comes to heart disease, but it's not really the cholesterol, or the HDL or the LDL or the triglycerides. 
I mean, they contribute a little bit. It's the LP little a. It's a very, very small cholesterol particle. Um, it's very inflammatory. It's very what we call thrombogenic. It causes blood clotting. But cholesterol-lowering drugs don't seem to reverse it. In fact, they can make it worse. And one of the best things for uh, LP little a, and everybody should be checked for that, especially for the positive family history of heart disease, because when the Biogenome Project came out, when we discovered you know, the genetic mapping about 25 years ago, we realized that genetics is really the key, uh, and it's really the future of medicine. But basically, um, you can take certain supplements like natokinase, lumbrokinase, even niacin, for example, that can uh, help you know, reverse the toxic effects of LP little a. But the real, the real you know, uh, problem with you know, coronary artery disease is not cholesterol, it's sugar. Sugar is the enemy, and people have gotten off that. And the problem in America today, there's over 100 million what we call type 1 and insulin-dependent or, or insulin-resistant uh, type 2 diabetics. And this is a problem, a significant problem. This is a horrific problem because you remember this, Ward. You know, if you're a diabetic, you are not going to uh, outlive your parents or your grandparents. And, uh, you know, diabetics do not... Um, have the longevity that, you know, our parents and grandparents had. So this is a problem, and uh, America needs to face up. We are a sugar nation. We eat sugar constantly, and we have to reduce the sugar in our diet, and when you do that, you're going to improve your health, you're going to lessen heart disease, and you'll probably improve your longevity as well. Oh, I completely believe that. Sugar is an absolute poison on today's society and ladies and gentlemen you better take why that those wise words from dr sinatra uh today because it is true sugar causes so much havoc in the body from heart disease to to cancer and uh just remember that avoid it like the plague find alternatives and eat as healthy as you can well let me ask you this doctor real quick can high cholesterol be a protective factor in fighting infections? Absolutely. Actually, when I wrote the first edition of The Great Cholesterol Myth, I was absolutely amazed because um, uh, everybody knows about MRSA staph. Uh, yeah. This is a you know, methicillin resistant. And, and when I, I used to be a high school and a college wrestler, and we were always worried about uh, staph infections on the skin. But then years later, when the, met, when the, the, the staph, the, the infectious staphylococcal bacteria became resistant to antibiotics, this became very, very deadly, uh, especially in children. This is, this is horrific. And um, what I realized when I was writing the book was that you know, children with the highest cholesterols were surviving MRSA staph. In other words, these are, again, these, these are antibi antibiotic resistance, but the higher the cholesterol, the better the children did. Likewise, um, cholesterol protects you from a lot of gastrointestinal infections uh, as well. And you've got to realize, Ward, uh, I was practicing cardiology in New England, so I was part of the Framingham study. And I've got to tell you, um, uh, I had patients in the Framingham study, and this study's been going on for decades. But some of my uh, conventional cardio you know, cardiological colleagues, you know, the guys at Harvard and Yale and, and, uh, and MGH, the, they were becoming psychotic because the people at Framingham with the highest cholesterols were living the longest. <laughs> Think wow. about that. They were living the longest with the highest cholesterols. And uh, they couldn't believe it because, again, everybody believed that the, the cholesterol theory of heart disease. Now, again, you know... The cholesterol does contribute, but not to the point that uh, we think it does. And, and 
myself as a, as, a, as a certified cardiologist, I strongly believe that sugar is the enemy, like I mentioned before. And, and cholesterol does contribute, but again, it's that LP little a, that small particle, highly invasive particle that gets inside the endothelial membrane that can cause inflammatory uh, uh, situations you know, in smaller blood vessels. So I am worried about that. So any of your listeners with a, probably, with, with a positive family history of you know, sudden death, early heart attack, bypass surgery, et cetera, should definitely ask their doctors to have your LP little a checked. That's, that's uh, very, very important. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, now, now you've got me wondering, maybe, maybe I should go ahead and mind check just so that way I'll know where it's at. That's for sure. Uh, because I, I'm a big believer in, in, in fitness and exercise. And of course eating right. I, I have to, you know, I have to do what I'm doing because I've got to live by what I'm preaching here on the show. So, uh, I got to set the example as well, doctor. And I appreciate that's that right. information. But let you me ask you You got to walk your talk, Ward. Got to walk. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Walk the talk is is it. Well, let me ask you this. Where can my audience learn more about all of your books and supplements that you recommend? Well, drsinatra.com is a great place to go. Um you know, uh, heartmdinstitute.com is my uh, informational website. Then I have these healthy food websites. <laughs> I have vervana.com, <laughs> V-E-R-V-A-N-A. Uh, you know, I'm into non-GMO, non-chemical foods, non-mercury foods, no insecticides, pesticides, all that stuff. Because, you know, it all starts with food, Ward. You know that. Oh, it's, I know. You got to eat healthy food, you know. Uh, you know, and, and, and you're a ribose guy, right? And, you know, I'm ribose, a big ribose you know, guy. And the body makes ribose, but people don't remember that. You know, we learned it in high school biology, but the body makes ribose for one reason, to make ATP. It's the center of the ATP molecule. And, um, you know, that's one sugar that, that it's, it's, it's not like a glycemic type sugar that, you know, like a white table sugar, so to speak. It does the opposite. But, you know, when, when we bring these supplements to the table, um, especially supplements that are made by the body, remember, CoQ10 is made by the body. Carnitine is made by the body. So is ribose. So those nutrients, when the body makes them, and if you take them additionally because you're compromised in any way, you know, that's why people thrive. Because, again, whenever the body makes something, it's the truth. That's absolutely right. And I know that, uh, you know, you and I uh, have uh, talked before uh, I learned D-ribose from all of your works, and I still preach D-ribose till this day. I am a, an amateur cyclist. I can ride 15 to 40 miles, and when I'm done, I am never sore. I don't hurt. I can go again, and there's nothing better than taking the, you know, the big four, the D-ribose, the magnesium, the CoQ10, and the L-carnitine. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this. You learn about those big four. And you look up Dr. Sinatra's books and you will be just like me. You'll be just like Dr. Sinatra. You get on those four nutrients and you will thank us later for that. And you know what, Dr. I'm going to re I'm, I'm going, you got me so excited. I'm going to go uh, download the updated version of the great cholesterol myth. Cause I'm going to uh, dive back into that because everything you say about this is absolutely true. And uh, we all need to understand heart health and, and heart disease. And if it runs in your family, get yourself educated. And Dr. Sinatra, I want to thank you so much for giving us your, your time and sharing us your knowledge and your wisdom. 
Well, thank you, doctor, as well. This was a great interview, and it was great to reconnect with you after, what, a decade, a decade and a half, oh, maybe two? At, at, at least, at least that long. And uh, But as always, uh, you are a great uh, expert to interview. I always enjoy all the interviews we have ever done together, and I look forward to many more. And again, ladies and gentlemen, head over to drsinatra.com and check out the books, check out the supplements. Follow the links. It is time to get your health back in shape. And guess what? It doesn't matter what shape you're in right now. Optimal health is right in front of you. You just take that first step. Like I tell people, even on my TV show, it is now the time to rise up and walk. And it is up to you to take that first step one day at a time. And you will start seeing amazing changes in your body, your mind, and your spirit. And just as... Dr. Sinatra taught us today about heartbreak. Don't keep those emotions uh, held in. If you got to cry, cry. It's okay. And uh, you'll do your body good, believe it or not. It's amazing what tears can actually wash away. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for this week with none other than Dr. Stephen Sinatra. Again, head over to drsinatra.com. And remember... To catch every episode of Life-Changing Wellness, just hit subscribe on iTunes or on Spotify. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds. Rate the show on iTunes. You know this episode deserves five stars. So thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. And just look up Dr. Bond's Life-Changing Wellness on any streaming service. And you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. And again, thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. And remember... Something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.